This is Rick Reynolds, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of empty trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And today, as always, my brother from the same father and mother, and Dan. (laughs) No, 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 no. Sorry. Jared, the Plastic Chic Street. And you've already introduced yourself there by, yeah, calling yourself somebody else. So what's up? How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, brother. How about yourself? I'm great, but... I'm sure you're a little better than great, but tell everybody where you just got back from. I just got back from Hawaii, or as the natives call it, Hawaii. So, Hawaii. More a, it's more of a V sound. So, it's a, yeah. Oh. I found that out on the trip. So, yeah, brother, welcome to Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. It's a, we saw a lot of the islands and it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. It's a, the time difference is kind of a killer though, man. It's six hours from yeah. East Coast time. It's yeah. It's, it's so I find myself trying to adjust to that, but uh slow yeah, process. No, <laughs> no joke, because Michelle and I got to go there on our honeymoon and we were waking up at four AM and going to bed at eight and it was yeah. just weird, you know. Yeah. But beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful state, you know. Oh just, yeah, absolutely. Just gorgeous. I, I highly recommend it to anybody. Absolutely. If you can deal with the plane trip, you can you can go. Yeah. But yeah, well, it's good to have you back. Of course, no one noticed. None of our listeners noticed because you, it's just been the normal two weeks since since our last show. But you know, this week we've got a really cool one, and this one, this guy is kind of like. Everybody that I talked to when it comes to the wrestlers, they were like, you got to get this guy on. You got to get this guy on. So he's kind of one of those guys that's like your favorite wrestler's wrestler, you know? And it's pretty cool when you know that somebody 
is so well respected and so they everybody wants to hear their story so obviously that makes us want to have them on the show now the good news is, is i got to know rick a little bit in nashville and you know rick rick's a straight up dude that's all i can say he's just a straight up just real good guy and you know we're just happy to have him on the show today he is rick reynolds aka damien aka forsaken aka medic whatever you want to call him but the the man has done a lot and done a lot of stuff and and honestly just from the little bit that i know about him i'm just excited to get to know him even more today on our on our show man yeah man he's uh you know the things you mentioned the shows he has a lot of respect from uh, other wrestlers and man that means a lot like um you look at somebody like uh you know we've talked to a lot of people have a lot of respect for people like bobby eaton and something like that uh, and and when somebody somebody is well revered like that, you know they're they're a solid dude, and that's that's going to be a good interview. That you know I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more information out of out of Rick and and finding out all about his career. Yeah, well, there's some interesting tidbits that we've been cued in to ask by our sources that we will never name. <laughs> Thanks, sources. Snitches. snitches get stitches. Yeah, snitches get stitches. Wait, or would that make us the snitches about the stitches? I, I don't know. Snitches? I don't. Anyway, we, you know, I have my resources. Sometimes if the internet doesn't tell you everything, you got to go a little bit higher up the knowledge tree. You know what I'm saying? So good news is I know a lot of guys that know a lot of cool stuff. So anyway, like I said, the sources will never be named, but we thank you, sources. You know who you are. <laughs> anyway, well, I tell you what, why don't we just go ahead and get the show started with Mr. Rick Reynolds? What do you say about that? That sounds great, man. All right. We'll be right back with Rick Reynolds, a.k.a. Forsaken, on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast after these messages. Hey, guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis. We're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. What you doing, Jimmy Straight? How you doing, man? That's pretty cool, man. How did you get into that? Tommy Hicks. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I was a I was a police officer. For yeah, a lot of yeah. Years. I thought I remembered that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For uh, well, I, I did that total of twenty one years, and uh, uh, matter of fact, I wrestled and I uh, 
and I was I, well, I worked narcotics. Yeah. And so I worked uh, I worked under a hood, and then I was to leave out and go work. <laughs> and, and Jamie Dundee one time was at the fairgrounds and Wolfie and Jamie were and I'm sitting there talking to him and Jamie hollered he's a narc and I said Jamie shut up and look at him oh my god I know shut up just That's you, I'm just blown away that you were a narcotics officer and you actually were around Jamie Dundee. <laughs> oh, you, well, I, I, I was just a police officer when I started wrestling. Okay. And, and uh, I yeah. went with Gypsy. I went to talk to Gypsy. And literally, here I'm a, a cop. And and uh, Joey Rossi took me into his house. And they were pot smoke, so thick. You could cut it with a knife. It was so oh. thick. Walking here, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's a that is a fine line to cross right there. It's like I'm really wrong. Wrestling. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's uh it, well, it, you know, nobody ever really done it around me. You know, just about everybody knew who right. I was and respected that and you know, I, I didn't I didn't go in on their stuff, they didn't come in on mine, so Sure, but I mean the remnants are hard to hide on marijuana. Let's just be honest, you know. So absolutely, yeah. it is. And, yeah, but you know, one of the things I found is that I think ninety-eight percent of the people I know smizzes. Right, yeah. right. I, I don't know too many people. I don't, but right. There's just about everybody I know. Yeah, you know? yeah. Okay, cool. So we're glad you're here. So let me go ahead and kick us in here because I feel like we'll get into other conversations and we'll just record that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we are back with more from Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And today, y'all, I'm very excited, Jared. And I've been talking about him in the earlier part of the show here. But this man right now is a giant in the business. He's one of the guys that honestly was a locker room leader. He was one of the guys that you could go to and ask him how to do a match and he was a big man but he understood wrestling he understood all the intricacies of doing storylines and he also just understood that old thing called psychology but the cool thing i like about him is is he's not only a pro wrestler He's a former police officer, he's a minister, and he's on the show today. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Rick Reynolds, a.k.a. Forsaken, a.k.a. whatever you, you want to call him. Just don't call him anything bad. <laughs> Won't end up well for you. But Rick, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. You're so nice, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, brother. And hey, man, I've been wanting to have you on one of my podcasts. And since the other one dropped the ball, I'm going to take the ball. <laughs> Good, I'm glad you did. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, so we always start off with the main question, the number one question, and that one always goes to the plastic chic himself, Jared Street, my own brother, flesh and blood. Jared, take it away. All right, Rick. So this is a question I like to ask. I didn't come up with it, but we, we, we'll act like I did. Um, but this just kind of lets people know your influences in wrestling and your and your favorite people in wrestling. If you had like four or five, like a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers of all time, your favorite, what would that be? You know, I, I listened to your podcast also, so I knew this was coming. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank they, you. Uh, 
the the very first one on my list would be the Mongolian Stomper. Oh, and nice. the, the reason it would be the Mongolian Stomper was when I was a kid, uh, I used to have dreams. I, I grew up in East Tennessee, and uh, I had dreams about wrestling the Mongolian Stomper. And I got to see him several times live, never met the man, always wanted to, always wanted to work once I got into business, but never had the opportunity. But my very first one would be the Mongolian Stomper. That's awesome. Uh, my, my second one would be Ronnie Garvin. Oh, and love it. I, I went and uh, watched him and Boris Malenko. They had a feud in Knoxville territory. Yes, yes. And uh, I watched them, and I absolutely loved I, I drove different towns just to watch that feud of Ronnie Garvin. And I got to meet Ronnie Garvin um, at the Gulf Coast Wrestlers Reunion down in Mobile, Alabama. And he and I got to talk about the feud. And and uh, so I have ultimate respect for Ronnie Garvin. Uh, I think my third would be Nikita Koloff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Nikita and I... Uh, a few years ago, got to spend a lot of time together, and I actually got to take the Russian sickle a few times. Oh, and uh, and uh, we traveled a lot, and we we talked Jesus, and uh, you know he's a minister now also, and to hear his stories, and uh, uh, just to talk with him and spend time with him, uh, it, it helped me grow as a man, and and my walk with God, he, he was really strong and influential in that. And, uh, I I was thinking about my last one and I started going through, you know, that there's several people that, that I wanted to put in there. You know, I was thinking about Shane Morton and I love Shane Morton and we've been, you know, friends for 30 years. Um, you know, and I go through and of all the great guys, I've had something to, you know, to do with their life or them with me. And I wanted to put them in and I, I thought about it hard and long. Um, there's a lot of great wrestlers I've, I've wrestled. I, I think it's just good as anybody out there. Uh, Scott Spade up in Chicago, Rough Crossing, you know, uh, those guys, uh, Eric Freedom out of Michigan, he and I have had great matches together. And I, I've decided to put in the fourth spot was somebody that allowed me to love wrestling again. Because um, at one point in my life, and we'll get into it, is that I, I was going to step away. Yeah. And uh, his name is Jimmy Blaze, and he's the owner of Powell Entertainment out of Chicago. Okay, very I cool. Think. Yeah, I noticed him on your list quite a bit of, of work guys you've worked. So, you know, I did a little research myself, and that's a cool name. I like that. We'll check him out for sure. Listeners, go check out Jimmy Blaze. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great list, Thank you Rick. so much. Yeah, very original, too, you know, because there's two Canadians, a Minnesota Russian, <laughs> and an indie guy. You got to love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when uh, Nikita and I, we were in Tampa, and uh, we were sitting at this restaurant talking, and I asked him, I said, I said, why did you change your name? He said, for the gimmick. Yeah. You know, he, he changed his whole personality, everything for the gimmick you know that's yeah. commitment to wrestling right there but yeah and you know you know he gets a lot of flack from some of the guys who make fun of him for using the accent but do you remember when i was doing the omar alkazan gimmick mm-hmm. 
Do you remember that, Rick? Yeah, because I think I'd already ended that. And as much as Shane wanted me to do it down in Columbia when you and I and everybody worked together, I was actually happy to kind of be away from it because it allowed me to be myself. But long story short, I would do the, I was doing this kind of Middle Eastern oil tycoon character. And I found myself doing the accent too. I, I almost feel like it was a way for him to maintain, you know, to not let up on it, you know, and, and, and that's the way I've always seen why he probably stuck with the accent sometimes when maybe it wasn't necessary, you know, but yeah, yeah, he lived the character. Yeah. Well, he's a great guy. He really is. I got to work with him while he was on a show and he did a little, you know, devotional during the the middle of the show there. And he gave his testimony and Nikita was really cool. He he actually was very cool, took a picture with us and and you know, just kind of great stuff like that, but just talked to him a little bit and he prayed for us before the show. It was it was really cool, man. Very nice man. Very nice man. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're here to talk Rick Reynolds today, so we'll talk Nikita when he comes on. So, <laughs> Rick, tell me a little bit about you growing up here, brother. Where were you born, and where'd you go to high school? Uh, I was born in a little small town up in East Tennessee called Sunbright. Okay. Um, okay. I had a graduating class of about 40 people. It's up yeah. in Morgan County. Okay. And uh, uh, it was, like I said, it was just a little small town. Uh, I left there. I went to, uh, to college at Roan State. Uh, I went there to play basketball, and yeah. uh, I, I had a, a terrible attitude and, and uh, everything. And as a matter of fact, I still can do the same things I did when I played there. Said yeah. I sat down and watched back and forth the ball go up and down. And so that's <laughs> all I did. And uh, so I didn't last long there. I quit because. You know, like I said, I had a bad attitude, and it was—I thought it was the coach, but it was all me. Yeah. And um, so left there, and uh, then went and moved to Nashville, and I started working uh, the prison down in Nashville. Okay. Yeah. That was my very first, you know, full-time job was the prison. Now, you're saying basketball. So, obviously, in high school, did you play basketball? Did you also play football? What What were, did you play in, in those yeah. days? I played, I played football until uh, freshman year. And uh, this was uh, – I got cut from my basketball team, and it made me – I was furious that I got cut. Yeah. And, as a matter of fact, I've got a picture – and where they took a picture of me, and I had an old suit on, uh, uniform on, and I looked like I, I was beat to death. I was, and I was determined that I was because I was one of the tallest uh, players. You know, I, I'm six five now. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I was determined I was going to uh, to get better. And one summer, I had my dad put me a. Um, a goal up and we made a backboard and he put it up on a telephone pole and I played <laughs> basketball eight hours a day. I, mean, yeah. I played and played and played. And the next year I, uh, I made the team, uh, made the, the junior varsity. And as a junior, I was starting and, uh, you know, I had a pretty good career there at some but it's a small school, yeah. you know? So it, yeah. it's, uh, and I went on to Roan state and uh, I didn't do well at all there, and so I left and went into the workforce. 
Yeah, yeah, I understand that one for sure. So, okay, now we know you not only as all these other things, but as a, as an awesome wrestler, and we're going to get into all that, but the start of it really is when did you start liking wrestling? Oh, as a kid, I, uh, it was, I, I was probably seven or eight years old, and uh, I would watch um out of the Knoxville channel, watched uh, Robert Fuller and and uh, all that, and I watched uh, uh, Nick Goulas wrestling, and I just absolutely loved it. My my grandparents would watch Nick Goulas, and uh, I, I used to watch, well, you know, Tojo Yamamoto and and oh, Jimmy yeah. and and, and uh, all the one Lynn Rossi, yeah, and. Uh, so and Lynn was actually him and Joy was instrumental about me getting into wrestling. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. tell us a little bit about you starting wrestling. Yeah. Um, so I was a police officer in uh, in Williamson County, and Lynn Rossi had a health food store in Brentwood. The one and Tommy Heggie told us about. Probably. <laughs> Matter of fact, they had a they had a uh, a picture of Tommy and Joey, a big oil painting when they tag teamed up on the wall. Yeah, and and so I knew who Tommy was, but I never met Tommy at this time. And uh, I used to go in there, and and things were different back then. You know, not anybody could get into wrestling. Right. And I, I would go every day, and I would go talk to to Lynn. And I and we became friends. And I tried to get him to tell me something about wrestling. I tried to get him to train me. I tried to and and just he just wouldn't do it. I mean, he would he wouldn't smart me up. He wouldn't he wouldn't put me with somebody. He never did. We talked about everything, but when it got to that, he cut me off. Yeah. And Joey Rossi, his son, uh, one day. I was talking with him, and this is after months, uh, months of me talking to him. And he told me, he says, he says, Rick, he said, do you really want to get into wrestling? I said, I want to do that more than I ever want to do anything else. And he said, well, if you're, if you're serious, you'd be here at the shop at 6 o'clock. At 545, I was sitting in the, in the parking lot. Yeah. Joey came out and unlocked the door and looked at me. Came out like he said. Are you sure? He said, "I want to tell you before you get in it." He said, "You're going to see all kinds of people and see all kinds of things, and you're going to have to separate your life from wrestling and your private life." And I said, "I'm willing to do that." And that's when he took me over to uh, Gypsy Joe's house over in uh, off of Donesville Pike, and I met Joe for the first time. Yeah. Now that is, that's awesome. So let me ask you real quick here. Now, you know, Gypsy Joe had a reputation, obviously, about him of one of the toughest, you know, guys ever in the business whatsoever. How did that translate into your meeting him and continuing on with him? <laughs> you know, Joe, he liked the Smiths. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I walked in and it was just, you know, I was like, oh, no. And uh, so he looked at me and he talked to me for a minute. And he told me, he says, he says, Thursday, you be here. And it's off of West End. And I was there. And uh, we got in and talked. And, and he got me in the ring. And he says, okay, I train you. And I can tell you, uh, 
the Gypsy Joe where I train is not like the Gypsy Joe's some other guys down the road. Joe worked us, and I, I can't tell you uh, a hold that I didn't have to do to his perfection. One day, I, I they put me in, a, in an arm bar in the back, and I had to grab the back of the head and flip over the guy yeah. and land on my feet. And I did that one whole day until I landed on my feet like I was supposed to. I yeah. was falling on my head, falling everything. And he he cussed me and get up, do it again. And I did it again. I never gave up, and he wouldn't let me give up. Yeah. But he he taught me every hold that you could ever see. I did that hold during training. Yeah. Now, who were you training with in the ring? Because just to, not to knock on Gypsy, I think the world of Gypsy. And again, I respect his abilities and everything like that. But you're probably what a good foot taller than him. Oh yeah, at least. Yeah, that <laughs> didn't matter. Yeah, um, exactly. But who were you working in the ring with? I, with him? See, Coolberry's Williams just finished up when I started. Uh, they was a guy, and I, I was coming in at the time, and I can't remember the name of the promotion that was down in Nashville, but Dr. Squash was running a UWF or, or something like that. And uh, Max Payne was down there, and um, a guy named Barry Cootie and Gentleman Jim Corbin. and uh, But anyway, that was the group that was running Nashville, and Gypsy was there with them. And so there was a guy... Uh, like I said, Breeze just finished. I come in, and I had uh, a friend of mine wanted to train. He was my same size, and uh, so Joe was training him and me both, and uh, we were going in as the medics with him going against, uh, oh, I can't think his name, his, um, his brother Perry, and uh, Street was his last name, his partner. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were the interns. Okay. So they was turning them babyface, going to bring us in as the heel team, and they're a veteran team, so we was green as grass, so they could carry us through a program. So that yeah. was the plan. Yeah. And uh, so uh, there was a guy from Manchester, a little small guy, muscled up. Uh, he was training there uh, with me. He started about the same time, and a guy named Luscious Leslie Love. And uh, he was in mid training. He was he was working matches, but he was still training. And I was happy always to see him there because Gypsy normally cussed him out instead of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I'll tell you. Let me tell you one story about Joe. Then we'll move please, on. Please, please. I was uh, I was training, and I I couldn't throw a drop kick for. And Gypsy started cussing me. And he told me, he says, "You kicked me right here, right here in the head. You kicked me." You kicked me, and he cussed me. So I jumped up, and I kicked the dog out of Joe. I <laughs> hit him so hard, his ear was bleeding, knocked him up against the rope, and he rolled out. His ear was bleeding, and he was cussing me, and he started to reach up underneath, the, and he brought out a, a big two-by-four, and yeah. he got in there, and I told my buddy, I said, I said, yeah, I said, if he just tried to hit me with that two by four, I said, I said, I'm fighting him. Right. <laughs> and yeah. he got that two before. He looked at me and raised that two before. He says, Oh, you stiff SOB. Now you kicked this two by four. I had to spend the rest of the time doing drop kicks on that two before. That's so, oh man. Oh, Joe. I'll God bless you. Joe. Yeah. God bless Joe. So do you consider that like your first match or what's your first match? Uh, 
my first match was uh, in Hartsville, Tennessee, and I, I don't remember the guy running, but Joe called, and uh, and me and my partner Sam, we went to Hartsville, and uh, that was our very first match against a guy named Tommy Vito. And uh, Tommy had been around for a while, and uh, another guy named Joey Jarrett yeah. was my very our very first match in Hartsville, Tennessee. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so we're kind of dancing around a little bit here about the you know the topic, but when do you remember basically getting your first encounter with my co-host and partner in podcasting, live and in color with good old fashioned PG thirteen Wolfie D? When do you remember seeing him first? Uh, Pete, uh, his stepdad. Uh, I worked for Pete once I left the uh, the prison system. I worked for Pete as as security over the hospital in Williamson County, yeah. and uh, and I actually moved into the apartment complex down in Nashville where Pete was living. Yeah, so okay. Pete and I became, became good friends, and Camille, and so we spent a lot of time together. And uh, then Warren, you know, he was just a child. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I guess he was mm, seven or eight years old, maybe nine. Okay. And uh, he he was still, and, and we, I I used to sit there with him actually, and he'd show me wrestling moves. <laughs> you know, he had his wrestling, and he have always, you know, he's always been creative, and uh, he would take it and do his wrestling moves and show me all these wrestling moves. Yeah. You know? That's but funny. That, that was the first time I, I met. Man, so okay, so now was this in in the famous world famous L.A. part of Nashville? Yes, it was absolutely. Yeah. Now tell yes, Jared what L.A. stands for. Lower Antioch. Yeah. Hey. Now, if you've ever heard a promo from a very famous, actually, Jared, who's my favorite pro wrestler of all time? Ric Flair. Maybe the other Rick. Oh, Ricky oh, Morton. Yeah. Ricky no, Martin. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Rick Reynolds, too. I love Rick, too. But Ricky Morton's probably my favorite wrestler of all time. And I always heard Ricky Morton say it in random promos that he was from Lower Antioch, too. So, you know, that's pretty funny. Yeah. So, so the when it gets down to it, though, Wolfie talks about around 13, 14, 15 years old is when he was sneaking his way into the ring. Do you remember first working with him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, actually, Camille, uh, his mom came to me, and uh, I'd been working uh, probably seven, eight, nine months thereabouts. And uh, and uh, she came to me, and Warren has always loved wrestling, and yeah. uh, and uh, she asked me if I would train him. And Pete talked to me about doing it, and uh, so I agreed to to get him in the ring and and start working with him. Yeah, but you know he he was a natural. I'll tell you, because he's always you know he's always watch wrestling. So you know if you if you told him to do something, he already knew the basic moves, and that's more than what most people can do now. You know, you tell somebody to do a, a top wrist lock, and they don't even know how. You know, Warren was he was a natural. He already knew how to do all this stuff. Yeah, which and he was. Easy. Yeah, and he was an athlete, and it was you probably yep. simple for him to come into now. But Gypsy Joe maybe had a little issue with it. Is that right, Gypsy? <laughs> Gypsy, Gypsy cussed me. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know of three good cussings he gave me for <laughs> mm. for that uh, yeah. because uh, one of them was. Uh, 
because where we trained at was over in West Nashville, over and it was a little garage that had a ring in it, and uh, and it had about three layers of carpet on it, and the and the boards was rotten and it smelled like cat pee and and uh, <laughs> it was, uh, but that's where we trained, and uh, so the. For very first time I went in there and, and I didn't I didn't ask Gypsy to go up there and I guess the guy that that owned the the um, garage called and uh, Gypsy came up there and he cussed me Lord I thought he was gonna <laughs> fight me that day. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, so tell me a little bit about some of the promotions you were working for, you know, because I ultimately want to get to talking about, you know, one of my favorite tag teams, one of the best tag teams of all time, in my opinion, Dante and the great Mephisto. I want to get to that where you start working with them, but kind of lead us up to that process. If you don't mind, I started out as the medic. And uh, like I said, you know, we originally was going to go in, uh, to Dr. Squash's thing, and then that folded, and uh, so we didn't we didn't do much with them. And then I just started working little outlaw shows here and there, you know, trying to get my name out. And uh, we went uh, and met Dutch Mantel, and uh, we went to Memphis, and we worked the Blackbirds down on Memphis TV, and uh, and. So the funny thing, that's the first time we ever, you know, I ever did TV and was both nervous. Very first time I met Jamie Dundee. And <laughs> Jamie, Jamie was like 15 years old. Yeah. And and he wasn't no different then than he was now. You know, that's I, I, I love Jamie, by the way. Yeah. Some of the best times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, very uh, first. Very first thing he told my boy, he said, "If I was you, I'd take that gum out of your mouth before you get out there." He said, "Somebody smack it out." This <laughs> 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 little guy said it, you know. And uh, so we went out there, and, and uh, Sam wasn't as uh, well versed in wrestling as I was, and yeah. and I'm still far from being good. But uh, they got in there; they're supposed to take the finish on me. I told them I'd take it, and uh, we was working uh, Brick House and Iceman King Parsons. Oh, and King Parson gave Sam a DDT, and Sam fell on his on on uh, King Parson's shoulder, and they liked to beat the dog out of Sam. They threw me out of the ring and beat the dog out of Sam. And uh, uh, Brickhouse come off top rope, he didn't catch himself at all. I yeah. mean, he landed flat on Sam and uh, and pinned him. And that, Sam quit right after that. And, wow. Uh, that wow. was his his last, but I continued going, and then I worked uh, uh, down in Tullahoma, uh, Winchester. Um, then I got into Columbia, and I started working as the medic down in Columbia for a lot. You know, and I, you got to keep in mind, I, I was still working, you know, a few nights a week, and plus I was I went into being a police officer, and uh, I was still working full time there, and I'd have to wear a mask to go work these other places and I'd go back to work, you know, and yeah. uh, be a police officer out there been wrestling. Yeah. And uh, so I did the uh, the medic gimmick. And then when Coolberry's Williams was the great Mephisto yeah. and uh, with, with Tommy, and uh, I, I've been working with Pete because I was a pretty good-sized guy, and Pete, I could stand behind him and you couldn't see me. Right. So, and there was there weren't too many other guys that size, so me and Pete were married for about four years together. Yeah. And 
then Coolbreeze quit uh, wrestling, and uh, they asked me to be the next part of the Devil's Disciples. And uh, so uh, when he left, I went in as Damien. So it was Damien and Dante, and we ran, I guess, 12 years or so, Tommy and I did, and we ran, uh, did uh, NWA, we worked Music City, I did all all the stuff around, and then um, it was a, it was a good run with Tommy. Sure yeah, was. because, you know, people don't understand this, too, is that, honestly, you know, because there was Memphis and the Memphis Territory, which had, you know, the, the Louisville, Nashville, Evansville, you know, all the other shows. But then you also, in Jonesboro, those kinds of things. But then you also had this offshoot of kind of like the Middle Tennessee outlaw scene, where, honestly, that was like its own territory, where a lot Absolutely. of the USWA guys would come in and work on. Uh, on their, uh, you know, one night off or two nights off, they would sometimes have a, you know, a night off and they would come in and work. And, you know, basically you guys were working five, six nights a week, but yep. then, so you're working very similar to what the USWA guys are working. Instead though, you're, you're kind of doing all the other kind of ancillary towns that sometimes they would come visit. So you would run into a lot of people, I'm sure during that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Terry Rice ran Power Pro, and at one time, Terry Rice had it going on, and uh, Pete was booking for him, and uh, that was the very first time I met New Jack. He, uh, he was with uh, Junkyard Dog. Wow. And they came to, uh, they came over to um, Terry Rice's show. We was running Woodbury, and we was packing that place out. Yeah. And uh, we, I mean, literally packing it out. I think that was the most heat I ever got uh, as a single wrestler was there. And I was Santa Claus. And Pete, <laughs> was the big, Pete was the big baby face. And uh, I come in with throwing candy and everything to everybody. And I reached out and said, oh, I got something special for you. And I reached over and had this big, I had a, a, a brick in the uh, in the thing he reached down to get his present and i cracked him over the head and he juiced and and then i reached over and pulled the the medic hood down over and man i like it got beat to death before i got back and dressed up yeah so real quick before we get off of pete i know i know we're going to bring him up a little bit later in the show too but when it comes to pete i've heard that when he put a chop on you that he could actually touch your shoulders with his fingertips is that oh yeah yeah he was huge (laughs) Pete was huge. But you know who had the hardest chop besides Joe? Was Cool Breeze Williams. Yeah. Cool Breeze chopped me one time and popped my backbone. Holy oh. cow. Yeah. He, he, we were down in I'm, I'm, we're in Columbia, and and Breezy would always talk to you in the ring. Hey, there, buddy. How you doing there? He, and he went, and he said, here's a little chop. And he liked to kill me. And, and I can take a chop. And, sure. But he hits me, boom, and my back popped. And I said, I said, oh, Breeze. I said, oh, Breeze. I said, just leave me alone for a minute. He went, that was a good one, wasn't it, buddy? <laughs> and I'm laying there just dying. I, I, shoot, Joe. I mean, he was tough. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so I like to I always like to ask this. I ask, uh, I asked the the previous Devil's Disciples uh, interview we had. I asked them this question: How was it working under a mask, under the hood? You know what? I worked uh, under the hood for so long; it wasn't it wasn't no issue for me because from the time I started 
until I started the Forsaken character, um, I was always under a hood. And yeah. uh, so, you know, once you get used to it, it, it's not bad. If I had to go back now, it would be uh, be a different story. Yeah, yeah, because you know Arvel would say stuff like the peripheral vision sometimes is off. You have to get used to that and stuff like that. But choke your wind and stuff like yeah, that. choke your wind. Right. And, yeah. So give us a little bit quick rundown of the gimmicks up until this point. So you were you're the intern. You did the medic. Then yeah, did, I did the medic, and, and then, then I went into a Damien. Damien. I, only, I only had two at that time. Yeah. Okay, two at that time. And then also, you are protecting and serving. Now, what was the police force you were working for at this point? Uh, I, I worked at the uh, Williams County Sheriff's Department, and then I worked at Brentwood. Okay. And uh, then from there, when I uh, started doing the um, the uh, Damien character is when I got in and I was working narcotics also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha, man. That's, that's gotta be a crazy job there. I know this isn't give me back my police department, but <laughs> work in pro wrestling or the narcotics, which was the tougher one? <laughs> Probably the pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it actually saved my life one time. It, oh, well, wow. I went, I took off, uh, to go wrestle and then, uh, I was going to come back and my partner that was, uh, with me, they were, going to Clarksville and a drunk driver hit him and uh, killed the drunk driver and hurt my partner. But wow. I would have been in the car with him if I hadn't went to, to go run. Mm. Holy cow. Holy yeah. cow. So we've we've elicited some responses from some of your peers and some of my uh-huh. old buddies, and so we've we've had some questions kind of come up, and it's more about stuff that they want to hear you talk about. So what one of the things, and again, if the timing is off, that's okay because we just bounce all over the place anyway. Even though we're trying to tell a you know a little bit of a story along a line here, you know, chronologically speaking. But Shane gave me a, a funny story that saying the Harding Mall when the ring broke <laughs> with Don. And the Mortons. What, what was this much later, or was this around this time? Or no, this this is when me and Tommy was working together, and Terry Rice ran a show at, at the Harding Mall, and it was a good show. And the very first match, Pete Cannon dropped a a leg, and the whole ring hit the floor. Boom! Yeah. Very oh, first man. match. And so they, they tacked it up a little bit, tried to, and they ran another match, and, and it broke. And Terry came to us and said, guys, you got to save us. So we we just did a big brawl. And at that time, I, I was I was pretty heavy in martial arts for several years. And uh, and it was hard for me to, to throw working uh, kicks. I bet. Because you know, <laughs> I, I but anyway, and so Shane Morton, <laughs> Dante had Shane and had him hooked, and he said, he said, hey, Ricky, kick him. I said, okay. And the guy, one of the marks over there said something about it being fake. I said, fake? And one of the things about me is that you hear a lot of stories. People can say whatever they wanted to about wrestling, it being fake, but I never wanted them to think I was fake. Sure. I, I always wanted them to know they couldn't beat me up, no matter what they thought. I was the guy that they couldn't beat up, you know. So I went and I kicked Shane and I kicked him right. I almost knocked Tommy out. I kicked him so hard. Kicked Shane in the mouth and his head went back and they hit Tommy. And so I turned around, did my thing, come back, grab Shane, and he's bleeding out of his mouth. 
busted his lip, cut it. I, I said, what's wrong with you? He said, you did you. I said, oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I laid him open. Sure. Wow. <laughs> so you were talking about martial arts there a little bit. Tell us, uh, tell us a little something about going with Wolfie to a karate tournament. Uh, I know he went with me to a, a couple of them. Um, uh, I, I did pretty well. Normally, I was uh, I was in it for a lot of years. I went up to I did Ishinru, which is an Okinawan style, and we used to do uh, MMA before MMA was cool. Yeah, you know, we did grappling, ground techniques, joint manipulation, you know, uh, all the good stuff, knees, elbows, and um, so he went with me one time. I, I, at one time in the middle, it, they had different rankings. And I was fifth uh, in the southeast ranking, and uh, and Woofy went with me, and I don't think anybody ever got anything on me. And he was like, oh, man, that's so cool. You know, just love. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, well, another one of my favorite people, and I just had him on the podcast with Wolfie D, is Ben Jordan. And, of course, we you know, we love the Wild Boys, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, great tag team. You know, honestly, at the end of the episode, we were trying to get them to say the Mount Rushmore of Tennessee tag teams, and they kind of went Memphis with it, and I respect that. That's what they like growing up. But what I was wanting to hear was, like, the Devils, the Wild Boys, you know, the Mortons, and <laughs> The, the Scott brothers, you know, that's kind of what I was expecting to hear. And I kind of wanted to hear that, but so obviously Ben now is a good friend of mine and yeah, he brought up a question that I have to ask you and he, he really wanted it to kind of elicit a response from you as well, where it's these trips to Evansville with Ashley <laughs> Hudson and Ben Jordan. And then yeah. there was apparently a snowstorm and a cigar and a locker, the your keys uh, in the car. So go ahead. I'm going to let you talk. Uh, <laughs> So we we were leaving out to go to Evansville to work, and uh, you know I think I think it was either Ben or Ashley one of the two that called the guy and said, "Listen, it's supposed to get bad up there." And he said, "Oh no, we're having wrestling. Come on." So, yeah. Okay, here we go. So we're going up, and we hit the Penny Rail going up, and by um, I think it was Madisonville or something like that. Uh, a mate was driving. And, you know, he's from Australia, so they don't have a lot of snow up there, right. or down there, I should say. And uh, all at once he hit, and we went around and around, went through the medium, and ended up in the medium facing the, the other way. And I said, kick it, Ashley. And he, he went and kicked it. And finally, we got us out, and we went around to the side and, and finally got out of that and drove to uh, – Evansville, and when we got there, guess what? No wrestling. They had canceled it. Of course. And, uh, yeah. I don't remember him locking the keys in the car, though. Yeah. Uh, it, that surprised me, but I don't remember it. And, and <laughs> Was we, there something about a celebratory cigar after? Uh, you know, Ashley and I, on the, the way back from a successful night of wrestling, we normally had a good cigar, and I, I've... Uh, uh, I used to. I haven't done it probably twenty years. Yeah. Um, I, I would get uh, Cuban cigars. Yeah. And uh, we'd always smoke high dollar Cuban cigars. 
Hey, nothing says class. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's and class. We'd, we'd, we'd have a, a glass of port and, yeah. uh, and a Sherwood and a cigar on the way back. Man, man. Well, we're going to bring up Ashley in a little bit. I don't want to talk too much about him. We've got a little thing at the end. We play the name game, and I want you a little talk more about him. But so I just, you know, a couple other things that I've heard about that I've got to ask you about. And again, if my timing is off on some of these, but I would love to hear about the year-long feud with Shane Morton. Shane and I, we we worked, I bet I've worked Shane 300 times. Yeah. You know, uh, through tag teams and, and all that. But he and I, we worked uh, down in Columbia just constant. And I, I think the, one of the, the funniest stories with me and Shane, I, I was doing a thing with a snake, and I was scared to death of a snake. And Charming Charles was my manager back then. And oh, yeah. Charles Charles always played with snakes. And I had to go over to his house, and he had to educate me on snakes and the and the snake I had because I was so scared to hold it. And uh, so, but we did the finish where I reached into the bag and pulled out a snake and and then put it over Shane's head, the bag with the snake in it. And Shane poked himself with a razor blade like he'd been bit and, and took a took a uh, Alka Seltzer, and I pulled that <laughs> off. And Shane's sitting there shaking, and uh, the fans hollered. He's been bit. He's been bit. And Shane's sitting there, and they call the ambulance. And Shane goes to the hospital. Sure did. They, they thought he was a snake bite. And, yeah, uh, but uh-huh. Shane and I had some great angles, and you know, and we we've done a little bit of everything. You yeah. know, yeah. We we did one angle over in um in Le- no in uh, Laverne, and those guys over there, Lord have mercy. Uh, <laughs> we were on like third match and they'd already, everybody had already bled and went through chairs and went, they'd done, and, and me and Shane sitting there looking at each other and Shane says, what are we going to do? I said, let's not do anything. And he said, huh? I said, let's not do anything. I said, we won't touch you. We'll play cat and mouse. And we've done that for a couple of times. We did it in, in Columbia and we did it there where the, the whole time limit, he, we would never touch each other. I'd, I'd jump out, come out, you, you, you scared. And he'd get out, I'd get in the ring and all that stuff. And I had people slobbering, trying to get a hold of me to try to get me into the ring. And then about the time they'd start to count, Shane would grab me and rear back to hit me and the, the bell would ring and I would slide out. And, and every time we've done that, the crowd, they had to hold them back to keep from getting to me. You know, you're a chicken cause here I'm so much bigger than Shane, you know, yeah. and I'm playing, you know, and man, they're just slobbering. We, we did it one time over in Columbia and a guy passed out. He looked at me and he said, I hate you. And he passed out. <laughs> he passed out. <laughs> he passed out. He was, he was shaking. He just, he just, I said, come on, let's go back to the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else you can do. That's the best. <laughs> Okay, so I've heard as well that you are a kind of guy that when you get shot into things, things happen, such as you getting shot into the dressing room and something happened. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I love UConn. Yeah. Probably more than he loves me. But you don't ever fire somebody before they go out for the match. <laughs> you know? He tell me, and I'm a different guy now. And sure. I wouldn't do something like that. But uh, we, uh, me and Shane, was working down in Tullahoma, and UConn told me he wasn't going to bring me back. And 
so I, I've always been a businessman. I, you know, I love wrestling, but I also got paid right. anywhere. And I've spent some nights at home because of that. Uh, but I always got paid no matter where I was at. Yeah. And uh, so he, he he didn't want to pay me what I wanted. So he, I was, he was going to end me up. And uh, so he put me and Shane out there. And I absolutely tore that whole place apart. I, I tore the railings off the, the the side, and I grabbed Shane, and they had a a, a, a the dressing rooms, and had fire, uh, the the particle board on it, and I threw Shane in it, and it hit boom, and I grabbed one. I told Shane, I said, reverse it, and Shane, Shane threw me, and I hit that thing as hard as I could, put a big hole in it, and I, you can hear the boys in their hall, he's coming through, oh, the nurse in there holding the wall up. And, uh, <laughs> like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get that thing, everything I could. And, uh, and was there something about I, it? Yeah. Go ahead. Was there something about a car maybe that was your yeah, own? Yeah. What yeah was it that? was my car. We started fighting outside and, uh, and UConn was coming out. Oh, stop, stop. And we would just, and I had my, my van sitting out there and I told Shane, I said, throw me in that van. And he threw me in it. Boom. And, and UConn was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> but it was my car. So. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we kind of got some stuff there about Shane and, and obviously your story can't be told without Shane. Obviously I consider Shane one of my mentors, but if you had to pick your favorite angle that you worked with Shane, if you had to pick, and I know that's, you know, probably impossible and maybe you're going to have to pick one that you can remember real quick, but tell me, what would you say your favorite angle Working with either the Mortons or, or, or Shane specifically, what would you think? It, it, it was definitely the Mortons when uh, yeah. we were doing tag teams with Tommy. And, uh, you know, I, Tommy Hickey, yeah, I always, I love Tommy. And Tommy He's, taught me a lot yeah. about wrestling. Yeah. And, uh, and when we were doing that angle uh, with him and Boogie or him and Steve, uh, we always had great matches. I, I remember one. Um, I, I was up in the uh, Chicago area and, and Michigan and all up through there for about seven years. I, I went up there just about every weekend. And uh, so those guys came down and was watching, uh, watching Southern-style wrestling. And we hit Shane with a bottle. And yeah. he bled. And, you know, and I, it was uh, – they couldn't believe the reaction that we had with the, uh, with the crowd. But it, that I think that whole whole deal with uh, with Boogie and with uh, Shane and me and Tommy uh, that's probably my favorite angle, and it lasted for years. Yeah, yeah, it's something about that. I tell you, you know, it's so funny how in Nashville, you know, sometimes they got a little, uh, maybe a little burnout. Some people say that you know TNA killed Nashville as far as wrestling goes. Bert for sure said that, but yeah. you know, when it comes down to it, nobody ever got the memo down in Columbia that wrestling was as much a real thing down there as it ever was anywhere. I think Columbia is such a great wrestling town. You know what? Because we gave them this. Now I'm gonna jump way back from, to Lynn Rossi. I used to go once I got trained. Lynn talked to me about wrestling, yeah. and he told me he says there's two kinds of BS: BS, BS, and believable BS. 
Right. And he says, if you will put on believable BS, people will come see it. Yeah. And he says, if you don't, and now, so we're going to got so far away from anything believable. Like I said earlier, you know, whatever anybody says, they would believe that I was real. Right. And, uh, right. you know, so, you know, we did that so much and they believed because like Shane and Boogie, you know, there's an art to selling. Right. You know, you want to get over as a baby face, sell. You right. want to buy, you want to pack a house, you have heat. Heat and personal issues will draw. You know, it, it will draw today, it draw yesterday, it will draw tomorrow. But you have to have believable BS, yeah. you know, in order for it to, to, to work. Yeah. And, you know, like Ricky Morton, you know, we're talking about Mortons here. Might as well bring up Cousin Ricky here. But Ricky is one of those guys, and that's what makes him one of the greatest baby faces of Absolutely. all time, was that believability and how he would just reach to the crowd and say, you know, under his breath almost, help. He would just mouth, help me. And yeah, yeah, something magical about that. You know. Hey, Ricky was great. We, we went up, uh, he and I, we flew out of Nashville one time, went up to. Uh, I, I think it was Wisconsin. I don't. You know, all these towns start running together, but yeah. that was one, that was the funnest trip I've ever been on in my life with somebody. And yeah. he and I, I, we laughed and and had the best time. And we worked the match up there and had a great time. And Ricky Morton is excellent. In my he's a great guy and probably one of the best sellers ever, yeah. ever. No question. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man, 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. Gene Jackson for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. Jimmy brought him up here a little bit earlier, but talk to us about uh, working for Burt in Kentucky and like working with some of the power plant guys. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I worked with Bert, and uh, um, we had we had a good relationship at the beginning. Sure, um, me and Bert, we sit down and talked and uh, uh, aired out our differences about this and that. And uh, um, so I started working with him, and uh, and started working with Colorado. I did a program in Colorado, and uh, great guy. I love Mike. Microphone. Great yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, never an issue with him. Never. A quintessential and, uh, Burt Prentice guy, though, right? Colorado kid is a, is a Burt Prentice guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but he was, we never had any issues whatsoever. And uh, then we was, uh, I was working a show with 
and Bert was there, and I was getting ready to go into a program with Chris Harris. And uh, there was an issue. Uh, it wasn't in Kentucky. It was in uh, Spring Hill. Okay. And where me and when me and Bert had a falling out, and uh, in, in the long term, it, I guess it hurt me. I shouldn't have done it, but I did. But I was I was getting heat on on uh, on Shane, and his wife hit the the ring. Susan at that time, she hit the ring, and I grabbed her, and I was getting ready to give her a pile driver, and this guy hit the ring. I thought it was a mark, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I was well-versed in taking care of myself sure. and, uh, this guy hit the ring and I hooked him and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, threw him out of the ring, you know, and, uh, come to find out he was supposedly a worker. And uh, so I did my thing, went back, and, and Shane came to me. He says, that guy that you threw out, he's wanting a match with you next week. I said, well, book it. <laughs> well, well, book it. And uh, so next week, come out, and, and Bert was there and everything. And, and they, this guy, he tried to, uh, he was, he's going to try to rust me up. And he found out that wasn't so easy. And uh, I, I I took a chair and busted his head open and he, he was in pretty bad shape and I walked through the door and uh, after I got finished because Bubba Morton I don't know whether you remember Bubba or not oh yeah Bubba, no Bubba yeah. Bubba was a referee and uh, he was asking he was down there that's the funny part he was down there and he said he was hollering do you give up ask the guy and the guy was hollering yes yes <laughs> and, the, and the crowd was saying he, he's quitting stop it I told Bubba don't you ring that bell he said I'm not he yeah. said, yeah. And, uh, but anyway, I left that guy laying and, uh, he was so asking, I did you want to continue y'all? It wasn't, do you want to quit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wasn't done. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but I walked back through the dressing room and Bert looked at me and he was hot. He said, Ricky Reynolds, he said, that's the most unprofessional thing I have ever seen in my life. And I said, well, Bert, I said, you don't know the, the story. It doesn't matter. You should never do that. And that's it. And he said, what would happen if you done that to him? I said, well, I said, he would have his butt whipped and you'd been mad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it went downhill from there. Yeah. And, uh, so we, uh, um, then Bert, he, I guess Bert had the, I, after everything, when me and Bert made up, but Bert cost me what I was told, my little TNA, uh, run I was going to get. He cost me that, but Man. that's okay. Yeah. Well, was, was that part of it? Was that the the catalyst, the, the straw that broke the camel's back? Was that it, or was that another uh, scenario? No, that was his with me, I think. And uh, um, I didn't know that that Bert had did. So I I was coming out of the the Damien gimmick, and I was I made up this gimmick called Forsaken. Yeah, and uh, I worked just a little bit, just trying to get it. And uh, uh, I was friends with Ron Harris and and some of the guys and and Brian Lee and you know and I love Ron Harris. He's always been straight up honest, you know, good guy. And uh, so you know, and Ronnie and Donnie, you know, they had uh, especially Ronnie. He you know he had his foot in the in the office and everything. So. Uh, they were looking to bring me in and, uh, originally they was going to, you know, cause they had the new church and Brian was, I don't know what Wolfie, if he, he may not even know, I don't know, but, uh, Brian was for it. I know that cause we talked about it sure. and, 
and uh, then they brought me in, and I did a, a dark match, a squash dark match, uh, with a guy, and it didn't go as good as I. I'd worked a guy, Matt Dillinger, Matt's good. And just for some reason, it didn't click. And we'd, we'd wrestled several times. We just did the same match in in, uh, in uh, Cincinnati. And uh, it was good for Heartland Wrestling. And yeah. uh, so it, it wasn't as good. He, he fell off the top rope, whatever reason. He, but it just things happens. And uh, so I go back. Uh, they gave me a critique of the match. And... It basically told me, you know, that, you know, I need to lose some more of my stomach, get muscled up more. And I was already in the process of doing what I had to do to get that. Yeah. And uh, Mike Sanders, uh, he was a power plant guy. I wrestled Mike on his very first professional match. I wrestled him and, and educated him on how to wrestle. And I walked through the curtain and he started critiquing me and I cussed him out. And, uh, back there because I was already frustrated and you know and he, he I've had more shower time than he had ring time right and uh, so it, which probably wasn't good either because you know he was he was in with Russo and, yeah. Uh, yeah so anyway after that it was uh, I came in the next week and I wasn't on the card I wasn't you know so I sat there and next week nothing and then then Ronnie called me and he said, they're not going to use you. And I said, they're not. He said, no, he said, evidently you've been blackballed. And, uh, so I, I didn't know who or what. And then I had a friend of mine a few years later tell me, he said, you know, who blackballed you at TNA? Don't you? I said, no. He said, Bert did. I said, really? Oh, he said, yeah. He said, I was right next to him. And he said, when you come out of the curtain, he said, well, this is not going to happen. And, uh, it didn't. <laughs> So he got up and went to the back and talked to Ryder and uh, a couple of them, and that was it. Killed more and, careers uh, than made, honestly. Let's just be yeah. honest. But <laughs> and, and they brought the, the wall in, right? You know, right. my spot that they were going to use me, they brought him in right behind me. Malice, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Which, if you think about it, I was just thinking that exact same thing, and I was trying to tie the two together, and you just did it for me there, because if you're thinking about it, you you all kind of do fit that similar mold, you know what I mean? (laughs) Big heater dudes, you know? Man, that's that's a shame, you know. When it comes down to it, to have somebody else ruin your job, that's that's got to be harsh. I mean, did you? When did you find that out again, Rick? I'm sorry. Uh, that, that was several years later that I, that Bert was the one who did it. Um, yeah. And uh, but uh, in the big picture, it was the best. Couple, I was really bitter. I was going to quit. And uh, me and Ronnie was we had dinner one night and we was talking and and uh, uh, you know I was telling myself I'm done. He said, "Man, he's done." And he was telling me a story about Medusa that he used to to date Medusa or married to her. I don't remember which. Right. But she was. She told him. She says, "You know." Y'all should just give it up. You know, you're not that good. You can't do this. You can't do that. And he says, we have traveled the world and we have held every tag team belt of every major company in the world. And he says, if I'd listened to her, we would never have done anything. He says, he said, Rick, he said, your work is okay. Matter of fact, uh, Ronnie put me over down in Nashville on a program and him and Donnie was tag team champs in WCW. And he put me up. Yeah. That now Ronnie, was he the police officer as well? Was that, did he do something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A long time. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. But he, he, you know, he told me that. And then, uh, 
I had a friend of mine who just kind of jumped. I, I didn't get much work down here as the Forsaken character. Mike Porter, he told me he didn't like the character. And uh, I still did the, the Damien thing with, with Tommy some. But I was when I started uh, really getting into uh, going up north, and uh, that's where I, I met Jimmy Blaze. I got a, I got a, uh, a friend of mine from up he was going up there to work and he took me and uh, we went to Oshkosh, Wisconsin and worked for a, a, the, probably the worst company I've ever seen, uh, bar some of the stuff from down in Pensacola. Um, but <laughs> it, it was, they, they said, they told me that they would probably be in the estimate of 700 people there. Yeah. And it was a closer to seven people. Whoa, and, uh, man. Wow. Yeah. And, and here they brought me in, uh, you know, to go up there, to, and they put me on. Okay, you're going to do the dark match. I said the dark match. I said you got TV, and they put me against these two little guys, and they come to me and start telling me, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I said no, we're not going to do that. I said I'm going to pin you both right in the middle of the ring. <laughs> I, I beat them up and pinned them both in the middle of the ring in about two minutes. Yeah, and uh, you know, and the pay wasn't what it's supposed to be, and we went. Uh, after everything was said and done, everybody left. We we went and we started talking uh, about wrestling. And a guy named Dave Storm and Jimmy Blaze was the only two guys that would really talk to me and my buddy. Yeah. But and yeah. we started talking about wrestling. Yeah. And uh, you know why it wasn't drawing and and there, it was horrible, poor booking, uh, no stories, no characters, no you know they just went out there and did stuff you know. Sure. And. Uh, so they started, I, I talked to them about it, and they said, we're going to start a company and do that. And I, and I was like, yeah, okay. And they said, well, if we do, will you come work? I said, sure. And uh, so a few months later, they called me up. And he said, I'm, we're starting a company called Classic Championship Wrestling, and we want you to be a part of it. And I was up there for seven years. Then when Dave, Jimmy bought Dave out, they changed it to Power Entertainment. And uh, it was like I said, Jimmy was the reason why I started loving wrestling again, because they put on, man, some of the youth and the young guys they brought in. Excellent. Make you you proud to be a wrestler. That's awesome. And you were kind of a liaison for a lot of the guys from Tennessee to come up there, right? Absolutely, I was. Yeah. Absolutely. I've seen pictures Jamie Dundee shared with him and Buzzed Up and Shane Morton and (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> well, they, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to lead to. So if you've heard our show and you said you have, I know you know that we play a little game called the name game. So yes. in the name game, we ask you names and you just give us your first thought. If you give it a, a story, that's great. If you just give us one word or if you just say, I think I'll pass, that's okay too. But Rick Reynolds, would you like to play the name game? Yes, I would. All right. We'll be right back. DJ, hit the music. All right, we are back with the name game and Mr. Rick Reynolds. And Rick, we have, you know, some good names here. They're interesting names. And I kind of want to just get your opinion on these and and just see how things are. So with the very first one, my brother Jared's going to take this one. Jared. So this man's had a lot in the business. And uh, some people say that he's he's the only man to really ever beat Vince McMahon in the business. Eric Bischoff. <laughs> I don't like. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, 
I guess somebody told you about that too. Um, <laughs> Our sources we can't name, but they're very good. Uh, Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Eric Bischoff, and he he probably shouldn't be a big fan of mine either. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. We'll leave it at that then. <laughs> do you, Do you want to elaborate on that? No. Okay. <laughs> See, that's your right as the name game participant. So the next name, and we brought him up earlier on, but maybe maybe give us a little more, a little something different there. And we brought him up, the big scorpion, Pete Cannon. I love Pete, and uh, um, me and Pete was friends for years and years. Uh, the funny story about Pete was was that Pete, I always thought Pete was a wrestler, you know, because I, I worked for him over at the hospital, and he talked to me about going here and going there and doing this, doing that, and I always thought he was a wrestler. Yeah, and then it looks when I like started, him. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and he knew, you know, and then I started wrestling, and he, uh, he uh, said, "Well, here, let me go with you," and uh, so we started going over to Hartsville. And he was coming with me, and uh, so they wanted to do something with him. And he kept putting it off, and then he went and got this fake cast and put on. He said, well, I can't, I can't wrestle because I hurt my arm and all that. And we was coming back, and I, I said, Pete, shake my hand as a wrestler would shake my hand. And he didn't know. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. And then uh, I worked with Pete for a, a while, and uh, but... Also, Pete got, he had a great knowledge of, of the business and, you know, he, and he was a really smart guy, really yeah. smart guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I love Pete and I was just happy that he was part of my life. Yeah. Now, okay. Now I, that's it. That kind of leads me into another question here. And I, I like that you brought that up and we, you know, I know the handshake, you know, it's kind of somewhat common knowledge, unfortunately now, but at that time it definitely was not. Talk about it now. If a guy comes up in the locker room and gives you the the wrestler handshake, what are your thoughts at first? Maybe a young guy. Uh, well, I've had guys do it, and they're just terrible in the ring, you know. <laughs> uh, and you know, there was there was one guy up in uh, Chicago when we first started. He did that, and I thought, okay, I said this will be okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I told him, I said. Uh, Chris Danger was my my manager then, and Chris was great. And I, he, every time we do something, or I do something, he said, "Oh no, we're getting fired. We're getting fired." Yeah. So this guy did that to me, and Jimmy wanted me to put this guy over. I said, "Okay." So he shook my hand, and, and I, I said, "Okay." I said, uh, "We start out." I said, "Grab a top wrist lock." He said, "I don't know how to do that." I said, "But don't <laughs> worry about it." So oh man, got in there, and I beat the dog out of him, and. Uh, and I had Chris slide me in a chair, and I told the guy, move. And I hit the top rope, hit myself. I said, pin me, and I pulled him on top of me. And there he <laughs> one, two, three. And at the three count, I kicked out and got right back on him again and then went to the dressing room. And he went and complained on me because oh. he thought I jobbed him out. Hey, I said, how could I do that? And I put you over. I yeah. You went over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, when, I, when somebody does that, I, I automatically think they can work. Sure. And that's not always the, the, the case. You know, it's always funny. And I've, and you know, I was, I was a manager. I kind of came in at the, at a different time where it was kind of passe and not as many guys did it. But, you know, the, the guys like Arvel did one and, you know, Tommy would yeah. kind of give you one. And, yeah. 
Mike Porter would give you one. And Mike's always felt a little creepier than others. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get into a different story there. But you could always tell like Tommy Arvel, those guys, they, okay, they, that's coming from a real place, you know? And, yeah. but I remember somebody and I can't remember, but I would shake their hand. Oh my Lord, he's stiff. Oh my Lord, he's going to break my, you know, he, and it's, so some guys would just use it as a way you know, my thinking that it was over with would use it as a way to give you a hard time or rib you a little bit, you know, but anyway. So you, so you mentioned this earlier, that it was the hardest chop you ever got. Cool breeze. Cool breeze. I love breezing. And, uh, I I hadn't seen breezy in several years. Uh, but last time I saw him, he was just the same, but breezy, just a good old country boy. And he was the same always. And, just like I said, he was tough. Lord, he was tough. He couldn't yeah. hurt him. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, what about you? Brought him up recently too, and and have great things to say about him. But Jimmy Blaze. I love Jimmy Blaze. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, like I said, he he was one of the reasons that made me love wrestling. Yeah. He, uh, he. As a matter of fact, they just celebrate or getting ready to celebrate twenty years as a promotion up in. in Chicago area, and uh, they run a couple times a month. At one time, they was running just about every weekend. But you know, as the the business it's dropped down, but he still he's been running for twenty years up there. And uh, uh, I love Jimmy. Uh, matter of fact, I love most of the guys up there. And okay. uh, they got ex- they got excellent workers. Uh, you know, always. But let me tell you what kind of Jimmy Blaze and a guy named Eric Freedom. Eric's out of Cadillac, Michigan. Yeah. So uh, I'll try to be quick on this. Okay. I was going through a really bad time. Uh, was going to process divorce. Uh, job I had, the high paying job I had went away. I was I was struggling, and I was struggling with life. And uh, I, I still made my booking up there, and I, I didn't have a pot to pee in or one to throw it out of. Yeah. And uh, but I still made my booking. And I got up there, and I I never said nothing to nobody. And uh, Eric, uh, later I found out Eric was the one that spearheaded it. But every one of the boys and Jimmy off the door gave me all their money to to help me. And it was, was, you know, $1,200, $1,500 that those guys gave to me because I was in, I was in such a bad shape that they gave me. So that tells me, you know, and should tell everybody what a brotherhood is and, uh, and what they thought of me. And I could never repay them for what they did for me that day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that means a lot. So let me ask you about this one then. How about Ashley Hudson? I love Ashley. Um, Ashley, as a matter of fact, I worked him his very first match that he had in Tennessee. Um, and he probably had three or four or five matches yeah. over in California, and then he come to Tennessee. He said I beat him up. I don't remember that. Don't. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ashley Hudson and Corey Williams came to New South. What a great tag team. But anyway, I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, great tag oh, team. Great tag team. I love Corey, too. He's a uh, there's a million stories, but me and Tommy was working him and Kid Thrill up in uh, Springfield one time, and we had to stop the match because of laughter. 
Corey was he was cutting up and had he had the crowd going. We were dying laughing. Here's the big bag devils just having to. We're just dying laughing at Corey Williams. Yeah. So, Jared, imagine this. Ashley Hudson, Australian. Corey Williams, African-American. And they were wearing a very Southern-style gimmick. They called themselves the New South. Tell me that's not heat. They're wearing Confederate flag gear and stuff. It's hilarious. That's nuclear I'm from down under, and he's from over yonder. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You got to love it. Yeah, yeah, that was their game. Yeah, right. that was when you know you had like you know Wolfie and, and Flash Flanagan together, and you had the Tennessee Vols, and and they were kind of tearing it up in in Music yeah. City, and you know that kind of stuff. So yeah, what about Rick Posey? I loved Rick Posey. Me and Rick, uh, Rick was huge, was huge, and he used to ride with me everywhere. And uh, he told me one time, he says I picked him up, and he says. He said, Ricky, man, he says, I just want to tell you. And Rick, he played football for the Oakland Raiders when during the strike season. He, yeah. he, I think he played yeah. for Murray, Murray State, but big, big old arms, big old chest. And he said, man, he said, I just want to tell you something. He said, you're a pretty cool white boy. I said, what do you say that for, Ricky? He said, man, he said, I didn't know what to think about you. And you start taking me all these back roads. He said, but you're cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and me and Rick, I, I hate that he passed, but he uh, he was married to one of the uh, gladiators that okay. uh, yeah, the old school gladiators, American gladiators, American gladiators, yeah. awesome. Wow, yep. that's crazy. That's awesome. Okay, well, this one, this is kind of a specific one, but you can go into more detail. You know, he's he's famous for knowing he's sorry about your luck, but, you know, Shane, Wolfie, they kind of are a similar situation of who trained who and versus this guy, James Storm, and specifically about a move or lack of ability move in the ring. Well, you, you got sources, don't you? I, I do. I, I, I tell you, I love Jane. And, uh, but when he was young, he was full of himself. And, yeah. uh, so uh, I don't remember the town we were in and he was, he was young and just started. And didn't uh, have a hair on his face. <laughs> no, he was young. And, uh, I, I, was, I was talking to somebody, he'd come up to me and he says, Hey, he says, I, I don't remember the move. He said, we're going to do this. He said, you think you can do it? I said, no, I don't think I can do that. And he kind of, and turned around and walked off. And uh, we got in the ring, and he shot me in. I said, I didn't call that. I kicked him and hooked him. And and, uh, the funny part of it is, is that years later, I saw him, and he said, let me tell you something. He said, I didn't understand the reason you did that for years. He said, but I do now. He said, I was down in Mississippi, and this young guy come up to me and said, hey, can you do this? This right here is what I'm going to do. He says, I understand what you did, what you did now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is I met him and, and Robert Rude, and I, I was dating a girl at the time, and we got out of a late movie, and Robert Rude and James Storm were walking through the parking lot, and I'm just like, holy cow, this is, I don't even know if they were beer money at the time. And they're walking through the, and the only one, only one of them walked up and actually shook our hand though. And guess who that was? James. Yeah, exactly. James, James is a good man. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was the real one. And I was like, okay, Robert Roode, I see you. I, I see you. I respect you. You're a great talent, but I see you, you know. So yep. Yep. anyway, maybe it's just a Canadian thing. Who knows? We'll we'll get into that another time. But Jared, you got the next one. All right. We mentioned him a little bit or you mentioned him a little bit earlier, one of us buzzed up. Buzzy. Stab. <laughs> That's my idea. Like I teach, I'm gonna stab him. He said something about my daughter one time. I said I'll stab you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh lord. Yeah. I was out stab you. Yeah. And that, so that's our. If you notice on Facebook when he said something, I'll say something. Stab, stab. Yeah. And uh, but I love Buzzy. Buzzy said I beat him up one time. I don't remember that. No. Yeah. I did on <laughs> when we were doing TV. Yeah, because I'm always like Buzzy, and I, I think Buzzy's a tremendous talent. He's he's a great big guy, and uh, I, I think Buzzy's one of my dear friends. He's a very good big man, and he's he's you know for his size, he's got some some agility to him, you know, and he can go. He's got a gas tank yeah. on him too, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, and he knows the business, right? You know, right. Me and me and Buzzy one time, and me Buzzy and Danger was going up to uh, Chicago. And uh, I was driving, and uh, Danger was on the, the passenger seat, and Buzzy was in the middle. So we was driving, we was going up, and Danger kept, when we had a new car, you know, had the uh, had the remotes on the steering wheel. And and Danger would get over and start fiddling with the, with the uh, radio to get to the station he wanted to listen to. And as soon as he'd lean back, I'd reach over and I'd change it, you know, <laughs> all by the steering wheel. And never say nothing, I'm just driving. And he yeah. started looking, he said, do you, you see that? He said, there's something wrong with his blame radio. And then Buzzy <laughs> picked up that what I was doing, and he's right in the middle. And, you know, Buzzy's a big guy. And you can see I'm looking back in the rearview mirror, and he's just chuckling. His whole body's just shaking. Just shaking, and, and yeah. Danger is just cuss. What's wrong with this thing? I said, what? He said, watch it. And he would put it on the station. He said, watch it. It'll change. And I'd sit there and look at it, and we wouldn't do nothing. He, said, he was doing it. I said, I'll sit back. And he would sit back and then I would change it. He said, see? <laughs> and Buzzy was just crying in the back. Yeah. <laughs> crying. That's awesome. So, you know, this guy, the next guy I want to bring up is actually kind of, I've noticed him in a different gimmick than what you were familiar with him. But he's actually got a little career going in the NWA. They were most recently in the Crockett Cup. He's got a clown gimmick now, but you knew oh, yeah. him as Thunderfoot. Yeah. Uh uh, Bobby is a great talent, and I tell you what, he did the uh, the thunder, the Indian gimmick, better than anybody that I have ever seen. Joel Deaton uh, himself, right? <laughs> yeah, he was he was good. As a matter of fact, for years, I brought him down here to Columbia a couple of times, and for a long time, people always ask, "When you when's that Indian going to come back? When's that Indian going to come back?" <laughs> Yeah. And uh, his brother is, is Rough Crossing, and okay. now they're doing the uh, the, uh, the clown, clown giving now. Yeah, yeah, now he's known as Yabo the Clown, and then, you know, that's... that's. But you know what's funny is I've kind of seen him, you know, working that gimmick for a little bit now, and, you know, it's a really original gimmick, and, you know, Doink was not the only clown in wrestling. I mean, there's been many, uh, but there's been many Doinks, too, but... <laughs> do you know where Doink originated from? Back when I... UWF or whatever it was that I was starting for, they had a wrestling clown. And uh, uh, I can't think of his name, but he was from Nolensville. WWF was down in Nashville. So this guy in full clown gimmick jumped the rail, got in the ring, hit the rope, jumped on the top rope, did a flip, off the, and they grabbed him and took him out. 
and Gene Okran says, says, who do you think you are? Oh, Willie. He says, I'm Willie the Wrestling Clown. Who are you? And they got him out. <laughs> and next thing you know, there's Doink, the Wrestling yeah. Clown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe there's some tie to that, I do believe. Huh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah sure Jared, take the next one. I think this will be a good one. <laughs> Jamie Dundee. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Jamie. What a prize. <laughs> Yeah, Jamie, I, I've had a blast with Jamie. Uh, you know, Jamie's Jamie, and and I tell you what I like about Jamie is Jamie is the same uh, with me, and I, as far as I know, with everybody, right. as that's who he is. You know, right? right. Jamie, Jamie's always helped and done. Uh, when I was going through my bad spot, I, I told you earlier, uh, Jamie. Uh, him and his uh, father-in-law had a painting business, painting tanks, water tanks, yeah. and uh, and he brought me up to Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia, to help paint a tank, and because I, I was, you know, I was down, and yeah. uh, he brought me up there and paid me to do that. And me and Jamie stayed in the room, and I have never laughed. He, he walked out of the dressing room one time. And he had. Had just had a towel on with no teeth and went and he looked at his stomach sticking out and he said, Look here. He said, What a prize. He said, All them women want me. What a prize. <laughs> I've offered to Jamie, I've told him he needs to be a comedian, and I know many people have. And you know, he says, Oh, I can't remember the same thing every night. And I said, Well, Jamie, I'll I'll ride around with you and we'll put in an earpiece. But then I took that back because I, I don't know if I could commit to that life, you know. <laughs> Of being Jamie's earpiece guy, but you know, anyway. <laughs> I told Jamie, we're, we're, you know, we're sharing room. I said, Jamie, you can't be smizzing in here. I said, you can't be smizzing. All right. And he'd go outside. And, uh, <laughs> but he, I love Jamie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just talked to him a few months ago. Yeah. Now, I like to call him Mr. Modest. He's been known as the Brown Bomber. He's been one of Bobby Eaton's tag team partners. He's also one of my favorite Mephistos. But when it comes down to it, we all know him as Arville Hutto. Hutt is a great guy. Hutt, he's a genuine, nice, caring person. Just don't yeah. let him punch you. That's Just don't I let can. him punch you. Don't let him punch you. I told him one time, I said, I said, huh? He hit me so hard one time, I thought he knocked my tooth out. And, <laughs> and I told him, I said, let me tell you something, huh? From now on, I said, when you hit me, just hit me with everything you got. It's got to be easier than your working punch. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so what is it about the Mephisto gimmick that makes these guys knock people's teeth out? What is it? Because I've heard that about Cool Breeze, too. <laughs> oh, cool, cool stiff. But he, uh, you know, I was never stiff with anybody unless I had to be. Sure. You know, you, you guys, you asked some of the guys, you know, uh, you know, I never was stiff with them, but if I had to be, because I, I was raised and brought up into a time um, that if somebody was stiff with you, then you're a little stiffer with them. Sure. You know, sure. Unless you're down by the crowd or something, you know, yeah. you got to oh, keep yeah, it snug yeah. there. Yeah. How about friend of the podcast and one of the first guests on the podcast that we really had, Jeremiah Plunkett. Uh, Plunky, I love Plunky. I, I think Plunky is a great talent, and I I am so happy he's still in the business because as long as he's in the business, there's still a chance for professional wrestling. Yeah, uh, he uh, great guy knows the knows the game. Um, I was 
a little funky story. Him and another guy wrestled down in Columbia one time, and uh, they just stunk the house up. I mean, it was horrible. And uh, they come back in the dressing room, and I, I ate them up. And um, then I, I left, went up north. Like I said, I was gone seven years or so. And yeah. I come back, and uh, I remember Buzzy telling me, he says, Rick, you ought to see Plunky. He said, Plunky's got it. I said, what? He said, yeah, you ought to see him. And I watched within uh, Lewisburg. I'm, and I went out and watched Plunky's match. And it was outstanding. I mean, yeah. he, he made that guy look like a million dollars. And great match, great psychology, uh, just everything. And I was so proud of him. I, matter of yeah. fact, I believe I, I hugged him when he came back in. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. He's a great, great guy. guy. Yeah, great, great guy. He's a great friend and long, long time. He believed in me too and, and helped me do stuff when I was in a dark spot. And, you know, we've talked about that several times on the show, but Plunky was there for me. You know, when it comes down to it, I always got time for Plunky. I'm glad that he's doing something in the business. I truly one day hope that the business gives back to Plunky what he's given to the business. I know it never does, usually. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I hope someday he truly, truly cashes out big time, you know. so I do He deserves it. He, he's a great talent, great. I have nothing but praise for, for Plunky. Absolutely. So Jeremy Flint was a tag team partner with Plunky at one time. Actually a great humble guy. Hilarious to tell you a funny story. He got me a Middle Eastern manager and big seven Jermaine Austin. He got us both to do a dance in the ring as if he had hypnotized us to do this. I saw that. Was that him? Yeah, that I, was I saw him. it on the, on the page. Yeah. 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 That was kind of a common thing going around some of the indies at that time. And he, he used that in it for Porter one time at NWA main event. And it was hilarious. It worked. And, you know, is it going to be, you know, is, is Harley Race and Wahoo McDaniel going to love it? No. But, you know, well, sometimes there's got to be funny too. But, you yeah, know, it, you got to entertain the crowd. And that's where you people miss the mark. You know, a lot of guys, they want to get up and they, they want to get their stuff in and they just want to entertain them or, or the people in the back. But, you know, they, they forget, you know, people who's paying their money. Yeah. Come, that's who you want to entertain. And you yeah. you want them to, to have emotion. Of whatever emotion, uh, as it was told to me, uh, Lynn Rossi used to tell me, he says, you tell the fans when to stand, you tell them when to sit. Yeah. You, you yeah. tell them what, what emotion that you want them to have. That's what you have to do as a wrestler. Yeah. You know, if you want them to cry, if you want them to cheer, if you, whatever you want, that's, that's the ideal. Now, when I was down at TNA, uh, some of the guys, I, Dusty Rhodes was one of the best. Oh, man. Uh, when, I, when I was down there, I was up on top. They had little slats, and, and me and Kurt Henning was stand up there, and we'd look. Not that me and Kurt Henning were friends, because we weren't. But we'd stand up there in the match and look through and, and just chit-chat a little bit. And uh, he was telling me, he, says, he said, look at here. He said, these guys, and there was guys flying all around, flip-flopping, boom, boom, and nothing. You know, the crowd sitting there and giving little golf claps or something, you know. And then uh, I think it was Jeff Jarrett and Dusty Rhodes come out. Yeah. And with one finger, Dusty Rhodes had the entire crowd on their feet yelling, 
with one finger. When he was sitting there selling, and he started, uh-uh, and he started moving his finger, and then showing light, and he had the whole crowd into it. So yeah. it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Right. You know, right. so many people lose that. You know, it, it's just a dying art, it seems. Yeah. So my last name of the name game, and of course we've talked about Shane and and other guys throughout it, but and we've talked about this gentleman too, but, but I feel like there may be something else you can say here. He's my probably one of my favorite guys in the business as far as, as the guys that have done it all and, and done it well. He's your former tag team partner. He's a devil. He's a great booker, just so well-versed in psychology, incredible talent, and also, when it comes down to it, he can sew a mean mask, Mr. Tommy yes, Hagee. <laughs> Tommy used to make this, I, I don't know whether you know, but what he'd make, he'd, we'd make juice masks, you know, yeah. because I, I guess me and Tommy were tagged longer than anybody, right. you know, uh, you know, constantly. And uh, he would make us juice masks. So if you're ever looking on, on the tape, and you, I normally wear a black and red. Right. If you ever see me wear a red and white mask, that means I'm juicing. And, we <laughs> it. And, and he made all the stuff. But Tommy, I, I still don't think Tommy gets the accolades he needs, or don't need, but he should have. Because, yeah. you know, like with me, when they put me with Tommy, I, I was honored. And I'm going to tell you, it was probably close to five years. I know it's hard to believe, but I never said nothing in the dressing room. Wow. You know, because I, I wasn't allowed to say anything. Sure. You know, as a new guy, you go in there and you sit down, and as I was saying, keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Right. And, and that's where you learn. And I learned under under Tommy uh, because I kept my mouth shut and my ears open. And I remember to this day, we were in Columbia, and we were working the Mortons. And I was sitting there, and I was listening to Tommy lay out the, the match. And he looked over and put his hand on me. He said, Ricky, what do you think? And I was so honored that he even acknowledged, you know, what's my opinion? Of course, yeah. I said, whatever you say, you know. Right, right. But, <laughs> you know, but I learned from him and listening. And some of the things we was with Porter. And as a matter of fact, I've heard Porter stories. I always liked Mike. Mike always paid me. I, I think I'm one of the few people yeah. that he always did. He never, ever, because I always cut my deal before I win. I say, here, this is what I want. If you can't, and I sit at home sometimes. But he always paid me. If he couldn't pay me, he would say, Ricky, I'll catch you next week, okay? I said, That's fine. And next week, I'd walk through the door, and he'd have my money. And, uh, but we, me and Tommy just, uh, you know, the, everybody said uh, all these good things about Tommy, and they're all true. Um, he was uh, he was a master at, at his craft. You know, yeah. he was a second generation wrestler. You know, now his his boys, you know, they wrestled some. Um, uh, Tommy's a nice guy. He's tough. You know, uh, he he's everything that a wrestler should be. Yeah, and that just encompass of Tommy Hickey. Yeah, he he's that and all that, and you know, I always knew when he was in the locker room that there was at least somebody that knew what that was going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. You know, we had we had people that quit. They they packed your stuff. They found out they was wrestling me and Tommy. They they believed the gimmick so much that they quit. 
they'd pack your stuff up and walk out. And that happened more than once. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that they would leave. And that's a night off, as long yeah. as you listen. I had right. one kid come up to us one time, and me and Tommy were sitting there talking, and, and he'd come up, and he started saying, uh, well, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And Tommy looked at me, and I looked at Tommy. and I, We looked back at the guy, and I told him, I said, I said, let me tell you something, son. I said, if you go over and sit in that chair and you listen to what we tell you, we may be able to make it through this night. Right. And his eyes got big. He went over and sat and I had a great match with him. Great match. And, you know, but you don't have to go through everything. And that's one of the things that I learned with Tommy of, of how to call things on the fly. I didn't even know, to jump way back to the beginning, I didn't even know to my first match that you talked in the ring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once, I, once I found that out, I said, "Man, this makes it easy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Well, guess what? That's the end of the name game, Rick Reynolds. And guess what? You got a passing score of a hundred. So good job. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank. I, it, that was easy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I know there's a million other names, and guys don't get your feelings hurt. We'll get them on the next go around. I promise. So I'm gonna tell you this real quick. When Please. I was down in Pensacola, I hung out with Don Fargo. And, oh, uh, wow. He, okay. He was uh, at this bar uh, called, I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, we'd go down there and, and talk to him. And we'd be talking, and we'd bring up a name. And he'd always say, are they dead? And uh, <laughs> he'd, say, he'd say, no, they're still alive. He's the greatest guy in the world. And he'd say, no, he's dead. He'd say, I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, you didn't go into that. So, so now at the end of every show, I always give my brother the last question. He, he he starts with the first one and ends with the last one. Some people consider this the Jimmy Street podcast. Well, I couldn't do it without him. So, but I'm giving Jared a couple here. So go ahead, Jared, wrap us up here with Rick, and then I'll finish us out. So, Rick, I know you've talked about how, um, you know. There was a person before the person you are now, and uh, and I know how important my relationship with Christ is. So, what, just tell us about round about when you got saved, and what, how about about becoming a minister and everything like that. I, I was um, I was an atheist uh, most of my life, and went through a bunch of stuff that we would go through a whole other podcast on. But in uh, two thousand eight, uh, Jesus smacked me, and uh, I realized that there's more to life than just me. And, uh, um, it was a, a eye opening miracle uh, that took place and he changed me. And every day I am so thankful that he did, that he loved me no matter what I did in the past. You know, I crucified guys in the, in the ring, you know, juiced them up. I've made fun of God. I used to have a shirt that I walked around with it at six, six, six on it. So, but all the stuff I did, Christ still loved me. And at my lowest, he was there and he changed me and I'm forever grateful. And, and he gave me back my life. Amen, brother. That's awesome. I could, I wish I had another hour. I could just, (laughs) You know, I would, because uh, that's one of the things I get passionate about is, is my relationship and what he did for me. And, uh, you know, I get in the dressing room and like we was running Columbia down there 
we would sit in the dressing room, and Michael Pleasing was a devout Christian too. Great guy, and, uh, miss him. All right, guy. rest in peace. Rest in peace. Love yes. him. And I'll tell you, somebody else is a devout Christian that I didn't know. It is Timmy Renesto. Yeah. And wow. Okay. Me, me and Timmy and and uh, all the heels, we'd be sitting there and we'd have Bible study. We'd run outside and we'd do our match. And we'd come back. Okay, where we're at, and we'd sit there and have Bible study and talk Jesus and and uh, man, it was just uh, a wonderful time. And that's when I really realized <clears throat> that people listen uh, to what you're saying and, uh, my actions and, and, uh, I'm not the same guy. I, you know, I've traveled several times overseas. I've had the opportunity to speak to, uh, 8,000 Zulu tribes, but you know, oh, wow. thousands of them, you know, gave their life to Jesus. Um, I went to Belize, you know, a couple of times and, and, uh, just saw great works in what he does. And, and I, one of the things I always tell everybody, God is real. He's as real as I'm sitting here talking to you. He's real. Because that's one of the things I struggled with was that that God wasn't real, that he doesn't do this. And that is straight from Satan, that he's not real. And he is. Right. So I'll be quiet because I know that we need to get going. That's awesome, brother. And when you really get down, um, you know, you get down to the bottom. And, and you have nothing else to reach for. He's always there. And, and if anybody's listening to this podcast, let me tell you, if you ever need me, if you ever would like to talk, if you ever have questions, get in touch with me. I'd love to talk with you. And that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Appreciate that. That was an awesome, awesome answer, man. To go ahead, Thanks, Jared. Now, now, this is the the one that doesn't matter as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- th- this, this, this question seems so much... Uh, uh, so much more <laughs> trivial, uh, trivial, <laughs> exactly trivial. Thank you for the word. But if you can think back on your career and there's just like a match, that's like your most memorable or your favorite match you ever had, what would that be? That's hard. Um, you know, Shane and I have had numerous great matches. Um, I, I tell you what I would do. Shane already knows how I feel about him. And, um, I would say uh, my match up in New York at Powell, when I was leaving there, uh, my match with Scott Spade. Okay. And uh, I, I was leaving, and uh, I was going to put Scott over, and we get out there, and he wouldn't let me put him over, and he wanted me to go over. As a matter of fact, that's the very, very first time that I threw a drop kick in my 32 years of, of wrestling was that night. And he begged me, he said, please throw one. And I hit him in the chin with it. Perfect drop kick. <laughs> and, and uh, but I, I think that was probably one of the most special, special matches I've had. That's Even awesome. though me and Eric Freedom had some great matches, uh, I, I think me and Scott Spade, that would be my my pick. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, Rick, like you said, man, you know, we could talk another hour, maybe a whole other podcast, but unfortunately, we're kind of starting to wrap things up here. Man, I, I so appreciate you as the man you are. I, I appreciate you, your faith. I appreciate your, you know, being who you were to this business. And especially, you know, I unfortunately didn't get to work with you as much, but you mean so much to so many people that mean so much to me.
me. So you're automatically cool in my book, you know, but not only are you cool like that, but you're also cool as a man, you know, you're, you're a great guy. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you in the past, but also getting to know you more tonight. You know, I just thank you so much for, for spending this time with us. I know you're a busy man and you're getting home to see the babies and, and we've taken time out of that. And so from us, we thank you so much for doing that for us because I know that time is, is so important to you. So Rick, you know, just thank you again. And we hope to have you back soon, brother. Is there anything you'd like to say before we leave? Yeah. Um, before we leave, I, I'd just like to say thanks, you know, for having me. I really appreciate it. Also, um, I would like to tell my family, um, thank you so much for putting up with me. It's, um, you know, Kelsey and Rachel, and Lauren and, uh, Cody and Zach and Abigail. And now we got two babies that stayed with us. This Vivian and, and, uh, think, think that's, that's the baby. I love her. I love all of them, but I love that baby too. Yeah. And, uh, just, uh, for allowing me to uh, to be daddy and be grandpa and, and do all the things. I really appreciate my family, and I love them dearly. And most important, i like to thank my wife, who laughs at my jokes and listens to all my stories. Thanks for what you do with our family. And I love my, my friends, and, and I really appreciate you giving me the format to, to sit here and talk. I really appreciate you, Jimmy. Thank you. Hey, I, I appreciate you, Rick. And, and like I said, we'll get you back soon. I've got some plans. Maybe it'll involve multiple guests at the same time. Who knows? I, I'm always working on show ideas. So some way, somehow down the line, we'll get you back on. So thank you all so much for listening, not only to me and my brother, but also to Mr. Rick Reynolds, who is just as great as he sounds on this podcast in real life, too. So if you ever chance to meet him <laughs> or see him, shake his hand, ask him how he's doing, because he's going to tell you some great stories. All right, Rick. Thank you, brother. You've been awesome, Thanks, man. Jimmy. My Thanks, pleasure. Jared. I Thank appreciate you, nice you guys. Yeah, appreciate yeah. you, buddy. I, I appreciate that. It was fun. Thank you. Good, good. That's what we like. Okay, good. So thank you, Rick, for my brother, Jared, the Plastic Chic Street. This has been Jimmy Street with Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. We'll be right back after these messages. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. He's gonna tell you all about it He doesn't care what you think You're gonna hear all about it Mike Jablonski If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. Decibel Geek, wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. Oh, man, Sheik, was that not cool or what, man? Rick Reynolds, what a cool story. Just what a cool guy, man. Really, really great story. I know I say that all the time. I'm like, cool guy, cool story. But seriously, that, that was a really cool deal, man. Very happy with that interview right there. 
Yeah, man, it's uh, it's cool to cool to talk to a guy like that. You know, he was you know driving down the road before he talked to us, and he he like pulled over and talked to us for two hours and took time out of his trip back home to do that. So you know, that's that shows just how awesome of a guy he is. Yeah. Not only did he work around our schedule because you were going out of town on vacation for eight years and he made time out of his busy schedule to make that happen for us. And just a really cool guy. And we're really blessed to to have that interview, man. Go ahead. Oh yeah, man. It, it was just a uh, great to, you know, I thought a special part of the interview was just hearing his, um, you know, his transformation of his life. You know, he, he was, uh, you know, going down a, a path where he just, didn't believe in anything and then he found found Christ. So that's that's that was awesome to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool testimony. And, you know, eventually we're gonna have him back on. But as of right now, you know, I'm just very happy with what we got there. And, you know, I mean some of the names mentioned, just let's go down the the list here. Gypsy Joe. Wolfie D, Dante and Mephisto, Shane Morton, his buddies up in Chicago, Eric Freedom, Jimmy Blaze, Scott Spade, who, by the way, Scott Spade's, we've already reached out to him. He'll be a future guest. I'm excited to get some of the, the guys that some of our guys know that I don't know, but it'll be good to get to know that guy. So, you know, our next episode we got coming up is Doug Markham. I'm excited about that because he's got a really cool story. You know, it's funny, and I don't want to go too much into it, but he's done a lot of things. I'm excited to have our very first referee on too, you know? Yeah. So. It's gonna be a, a new one for Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. So we may have to we may have to change up my Mount Rushmore question a little bit for him to see, yeah. see a little bit more aspects for him. Yeah, modify the Rushmore a little bit there. I think, you know, we're going to be having, you know, we're not only going to have wrestlers on, we're going to have everybody that's involved. As you know, we've already had Dave Milliken on on an excellent episode. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. That guy knows more about belts. He's forgot more about belts than I know. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And to me, he's just, that was just a cool interview. So I love having the guys that, are not the wrestlers, but are very important to wrestling too, you know? So, and and Doug's one of those guys and, you know, we've been chatting back and forth and he's listened to most of the episodes. And with that being said though, very excited to have Doug on, man, I've got a great list of names and I don't want to spill them just yet. You know, I've talked about having crawl and plunky on to talk about the Satoshi Kojima NWA and stuff, but man, I've got some cool names. Like I said, I don't want to spill the beans yet. But, you know, just to kind of say, you know, trust us, some excellent names are coming up that you'll want to hear their story, too. So, yeah, that's a that's I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories from these guys we've got coming up. Uh, You know, I think I think it'll be good listens for our listeners and. You know, just stick with us, man. We're good. We got the best is yet to come. Absolutely. And I recently talked to Shane Martin about this too. You know, I talked to him back in the day about us doing a Galoob specific show coming up, you know, getting a little action figure love. So we may take a slight break from the interviews here in the next like month or so. And we're going to bring Shane Martin on, maybe bring Gene Jackson on, and we'll talk some Galoob action figures and specifically the WCW. And we're not just going to talk all, you know, all Galoob. But to talk, you know, so that's going to be on you, Jut. <laughs> that one's going to be just, on. We're just going to talk the uh, the history of Galoob itself. No, I'm just yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe you need to know a little bit about the history of Galoob, but that one's going to be on you, Sheik. So, but I'm I'll host it. But you need to be the the mind 
on that one. So <laughs> <All right. laughs> that's, that's your territory. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I have to I have to brush up on my galoob history. Yeah. So last night, our mom's in the hospital. Keep praying. She's coming home today. Hopefully today is the 4th of July. So y'all happy 4th of July. Hope it's it's awesome. Hope you didn't blow your fingers off or anything fun like that. But, you know, hope it's been good. I love the 4th of July. Always fun. But our mom's coming home from the hospital. If you could say a prayer for her, we definitely appreciate it. She had back surgery and we hope that everything goes smoothly for her there. But, you know, one thing I will say is we are home right now together with my son and my mom is, you know, we're visiting my mom and having my son for summer vacation. And so we're all kind of together right now. So we may be doing some other stuff coming up that'll drop a special episodes. You never can tell, especially since we have former guest of the show, Cash Street in town as well. Maybe we'll get Colossus. Yeah, Colossus. Maybe we'll get Plastic Chic Jr. involved as well, but we'll see about that. But anyway, when it comes down to it, though, we just appreciate all y'all for listening. If you can, give us five stars. We love it. We appreciate it. If everyone that listened right now would just click five stars, that would mean so much to us. It would show us that you know, you guys are listening out there and we we greatly appreciate that. The other thing is, if you can go follow us on GMBMPW on all your social media platforms, there may be even a TikTok coming soon, actually in the works, maybe very soon, you know, so we'll see about that. Thank you all again, though, for, for all the support you do, especially the involvement on the Facebook group. One thing is funny, our, our guest today, the interviewee, Rick Reynolds, he is the new GMB. EMPW social media champion because he literally probably just brought like I would say maybe 50 people or more to the Facebook group which you know I think I think Hammerjack had held the record at first and then it turned into Chris Michaels a little and Shane Morton got us a lot but a lot of times it's funny when you know, we get a new guest and they notice they're not friends with us and stuff or, or they're not. They don't follow us. They start following us. So it's it's good. But I think Rick outdid himself on this one. He absolutely did. I know he had he brought like at least 50 people to the Facebook group. I'm pretty sure. So anyway, thank you for that, Rick. Thank you, new listener. Thank you, old listener. Thank you, Facebook group member. <laughs> All that, but yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else. She what, what do you have anything else? No, man, I just, uh, happy to be a part of these interviews. And, uh, you know, as always, I say it, I say it every time, but I feel like, uh, you know, it's, it's great to learn about some of these guys that I may not necessarily know a lot about and yeah. to find out how big an impact they really have had in the business, even though they're always usually modest and they're like, well, I didn't really do anything. And then you hear what they did and you're like, yeah, I think you did. <laughs> That's just Arvel that said that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great to hear from these guys, and I'm I'm excited for all of them to come. Absolutely, we'll we'll have more very soon. You guys just stick with us. Promise more interviews and your favorite pro wrestlers coming soon. If you guys have any thoughts and 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 ideas for interviews that you'd like to see on our show, feel free to hit us up on our socials and put the name of the person you'd like to see on there and or listen to on there, and we'll see what we can do about getting them on the show. So once again, for our guest Rick Reynolds, my co-host, the Plastic Sheet Jared Street. I'm Jimmy Street. We're Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, and we'll see y'all next time. Don't forget.
I really want to hear that full Eric Bischoff story. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.